This is the Assumption Church Podcast. Thanks for joining us. When dawn breaks, mercies arise. Assumption Church is a Roman Catholic community under the care of the Franciscan Friars Conventual of Our Lady of Angels Province. It is a community of faith which is active in service and its ministries bring the gospel message of peace, reconciliation, and love to Syracuse and all of central New York. Your glory here among us, great is our hope. Hi there, this is Friar Rick, and I'm here in El Paso, Texas, one of my favorite places in the United States. You're probably wondering, what the heck's he doing in Texas? Well, I was invited to be part of a delegation of Catholic clergy by Faith and Public Life, uh, which is an organization out of Washington, D.C., that promotes the voice of the Catholic Church and the voice of faith leaders in important issues of our society. And they work especially uh, around the issue of immigration reform. So I've been wanting for a while to find out more about what's going on on the border. Uh, as many of you might know, I'm an immigrant to the United States myself. Um, I'm an immigrant from Canada, which is kind of a, an easy thing to do, relatively. Um, but I'm also very much a political person and interested in how our society works and how we treat others. Now, obviously, as a Franciscan friar and as a priest, I'm not here to preach politics, but I am uh, meant to be uh, cognizant of what and how we uh, apply the gospel in our society, in our daily lives, and to be able to speak out when things don't make sense or don't seem to model what Jesus would do. And um, I've always felt a little bit, as somebody who's a new American, a little unsure about what I knew um, about the situation in the southern part of the U.S. So I'm here to learn. I'm here to learn and to witness and to see with a variety of other priests who are just amazing in both the work they do and the witness they give uh, and I'm meeting some pretty extraordinary people. So today, um, the day was one of, of exploring and learning. And um, we were introduced to an organization called Hope Borders. And uh, it's an organization that, again, it deals with the issues in the area around El Paso, Las Cruces, uh, here in Texas and in New Mexico. And we had the executive director, Dylan Corbett, come and talk to us. And one of the things that I learned that was kind of interesting was how important El Paso is in the story of Texas and New Mexico and Mexico. It's really a, a point of convergence. Uh, at first, some people think that El Paso is a dusty little town, but it's actually a pretty big city. Uh, it's got about three quarters of a million people but then the other side of the border, Juarez, Mexico, is 1.5 million. And then there's other parts that together, it's a population of 2.5 million. And from thousands of years ago, this whole area was one community. It's always been one community. There were uh, First Nations here, indigenous peoples, who were nomadic. And they would always uh, move through this territory as the time uh, sort of required it 
for them to move. Um, the, 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 the Spanish and the um, indigenous peoples had interesting relationships. Back in 1598, um, the Mexicans and the uh, First Nations shared a Thanksgiving meal for the first time when they got together here in El Paso, much, much before the um, Plymouth kind of um, Thanksgiving narrative that we have in our history books and in our Hallmark cards. And um, Dylan was telling us that, you know, that shapes a perspective and understanding of who we are as Americans that isn't entirely accurate. It tends to be Northeastern-centered, Protestant-centered, and we forget about the early days of America here in the South. Part of the, the situation that uh, we're facing today in um, the borderland between the United States and Mexico is that the borders have not always been what they are today. And it doesn't go back too, too far um, to when this whole place was indigenous territory. And then the Spanish came, and so all of a sudden, these lands became Spanish lands. And then Mexico came, and this land became Mexican. And then the Texans appropriated the lands, and it became part of the Republic of Texas. And then the Republic of Texas came in and um, became part of the United States of America. So in a very short time, the identity of people um, has changed. And they've been used to borders changing, people moving, families being separated um, by just arbitrary boundaries. And one of the things that I thought was interesting was um, in 1850, Texas joined the United States. And El Paso, which was originally part of New Mexico, gets annexed by Texas. 1850. Um, I served in Syracuse, New York at Assumption Church, and that church was, the parish was established in 1845, and the church was built in 1865. In 1850, Texas joined the U.S. And it just reminds me that a lot of the stuff around the border um, is relatively recent in the history of our nation. And a lot of the misunderstandings, I mean, I've met so many people who say to us, you know, people who are of Latino origin or Mexican origin, who say, you know, we didn't come to the United States. The United States came to us. In other words, they were always here, but the border changed. When that one time they were in Mexico, suddenly they were in the United States. And it's something for us to remember that there was always been a fluidity of the borders here, which is kind of interesting. During the presentation by um, uh, Dylan today, um, one of the things we talked about was the wall the wall that separates um, Mexico and the U.S. today, and how fortified and um, militarized it is, and what that's all about, and um, how it came to be. And really, what he, he pointed out that 
the present situation is not about security, but really more about economics. And he was pointing out the fact that a lot of what happened around here really came to a head after NAFTA. And if you recall, NAFTA is a North American Free Trade Agreement that is in the process of being renegotiated. Mexico has agreed to some conditions and now Canada is involved. Well, when NAFTA was agreed, overnight, the borders economically were opened and the U.S. flooded Mexico with subsidized corn and beef, which really hugely impacted negatively the Mexican agricultural industry. Basically, they had much cheaper corn uh, available from the U.S. because it was subsidized, which decimated their, their, their agriculture. And the Mexicans who didn't know what else to do started coming to the U.S. Um, looking for work because that's what they knew. And the farms were all closing in Mexico, so they had to come to the U.S. And that's when the Clinton administration put up walls in El Paso and in Tijuana to block this because they knew it would happen. Now, it's funny that the border is permeable enough for the corn and the beef and things to go through, but we don't want it to be permeable for people. Um, what the wall did, it blocked the thousand-year-old natural migration of peoples to where the work was and to where the land was fertile. It stopped basically what was a natural progression and natural occurrence. Um, and you know what happened is that in the end, yes, the Mexican industry of agriculture got decimated in this northern part and they had to go to manufacturing. Um, but those weren't necessarily the jobs that they thought they would become. Um, it didn't give them ultimately the kind of economic boost that they wanted. I was taken, I was kind of surprised by that. Um, because, you know, when we think, uh, one of the reasons I'm here is because I know there are, there are a lot of people up north in New York State who are, frankly, pissed off with the way the economy's been going. You know, we've heard that since the recession in 2008, the economy's picking up, but so many of people in Syracuse, around Syracuse, and in upstate New York, don't have good jobs. The economy hasn't picked up the way we'd like it to be. Um, businesses have gone. And we sometimes feel a little bit hopeless. And we see the, the side effects of that in so many young people turning to opioids, to heroin, to kind of numb their feeling of helplessness and hopelessness. All the good jobs have gone away to Mexico, we think. And so I'm trying to understand a little bit more of what that's about, because I think it fuels our attitudes towards migrants and immigrants. So um, that's basically um, what my morning was about, kind of reflecting on that. And it's not a complete picture, but I wanted to offer that as an as a initial thought, and hopefully it uh, will get us all thinking. In part two of my border experience, 
I'll be talking a little bit about visiting um, some interesting uh, homes of hospitality, both in Texas and in Mexico. Thank you for listening. I know this is a tough topic, but I hope that it will help us shed some light. We have to have as Americans. Thanks for listening to the Assumption Church podcast. To listen to more episodes, connect with us in our community, or join us for worship, please visit assumptionsyr.org. Light